You're listening to Songs in a Strange Land, foraging in the landscape of faith, culture and creativity. Welcome back to Songs in a Strange Land podcast. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get the title right. (laughs) It's been that long. Yeah, well it's been just over a year since we first Broadcast is that the verb? Po- do you that's, broadcast that's, the podcast? That's probably what the... publish, whatever they. Since we last podcast, is that a verb? Podcast. Podcast. It is the right thing. Yeah. If we're not being pretentious. Yeah. So, and we've done two. Yeah. In that time, so that's one every six months. We yeah. have not got a great record. No, life did take over yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I was, I was going to say maybe we should we should uh, we have got some recorded, um, which we might podcast broadcast, publish, whatever. Um, so uh, just before we get into this this edition, uh, what's what's our excuse? I, I genuinely don't know what the excuse it's is. It's fine. We'll brush that <laughs> one to one side. It's fine. Where have you been? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, <laughs> we've been talking all this time. You've not been listening. That's the issue. Um, yeah. Um, I, I was just yeah. thinking just before we, we started recording... About what what have I been doing for the last year or so? Because it has been about a year since you last published. Um, and actually, I think the most important thing that I can share, which is some somewhat on the subject of songs in a strange land, I've been reflecting on bears. I right. Like, I've been reflecting on bears because I was once being prayed for by someone, and they said they just they had a picture of a mountain goat and said, "No, you're a mountain goat, Ned. You're you're built for rough terrain." And I just thought. And I've been reflecting on that image. And bears, not only have I grown a massive beard now, um, but, uh, but also bears are, are built for rough terrain, wilderness areas. Um, they, they look pretty calm in that environment. When they're brought into, you know, social situations with humans, they get quite angry and they punch people That's and more people. And I'm a bit like that when I get <laughs> forced you into... You get near other people. Yeah, I, I maul yeah. them with aggression. Uh, so... Uh... So anyway, that that's a nice little image to to leave. Because <laughs> they are also Elisha's favourite animal as well. Indeed, um, indeed. So indeed. I thought you were going to be making a boldness uh, reference to uh, tell you the truth. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. No biblical references here. No. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, um. So yes, we're back. Yeah. Well, I, so I guess the 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 excuse that we thought we did want to talk about um, was the thing you've been involved in recently yeah. at York Minster. Mm. So carrying that remit of trying to find different ways that we're bringing faith and culture and art all into the same space. Yeah. Um, so this event at York Minster yeah, it was and Threshold. Last, yeah, last month, I think, uh, or earlier this month, I can't remember. Um, it was a pilot event um york minster used to do used to host something called uh, transcendence which started in the 90s um and was sort of music and uh, the kind of club scene meets kind of high church sacrament um in in space like the minster um set up by a, a lady called sue wallace and her husband Malcolm, um, but they've since moved down south, and so it's it kind of left this hole uh, with people who are kind of wanting alternative worship, um, but like the aesthetic of the minster and mm. and that kind of sacrament high church sort of mystery 
sacred space sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, that was very intentionally bringing two different forms of church together into the same yeah. space. And the Transcendence community, I guess, was mainly uh, a community called Visions in York, which are alternative creative approaches to to worship. Yeah, that was the other side of the, to the Minster community. Yeah. That um, but the rest of Transcendence people were from all over, really, different church communities who were just wanting something different from what they get got on a Sunday morning. So anyway, there was this big hole, and um, I'd been involved in Transcendence very, very, very fringe. Um, I'd done it in a part of a placement at the Minster, but um, but I had obviously got experience of creative worship and how to how to bring those two or three worlds together mm. of worship and uh, obviously being ordained, you know, having a kind of sense of theological correctness, um, as well as artist and use of space and all those sorts of things. Um, So I came on board with uh, other people on the leadership for it, and it was going to be very much based from the Minster chapter. They wanted to create it, and it was going to be part of their, and in relationship with the other worship that was going on in the the Minster, which is fascinating in and of itself, really. Cathedral worship has grown. It's one of the areas of massive growth in the church. It's, It's wonderful, really. So give us give us a quick outline of what the evening was. I think that's probably explaining it that way yeah. and then going backwards into yeah. how it was so, constructed. So the actual structure of the evening was people turned up um, and were given a sheet of paper, which basically was an outline which said they were essentially free to wander the Minster um, once it was closed, so there wasn't going to be any you know heritage tourists there. Um, and they were sent up to uh, underneath the, uh, I always get it mixed up, the east window, the big Leeds heart on it, the big door, and uh, the font was set up there, and um, we started with a confession and a reading from Isaiah, the um, here am I reading from Isaiah, the early part of Isaiah, um, and it was a sort of introduction and a confessional part and then everyone was sent off into the Minster to explore it. We'd set up prayer stations at different points. Um, I think we had about, in the end, we had about four or five prayer stations, different places around the Minster. Um, and whilst they went around for about 45 minutes or so, there was a choir singing different songs and you know refrains. Um, and that kind of filled the space. Um, apart from that, there was silence. Um, so people engaging with those prayer stations and then a bell was rung kind of halfway through and we all gathered underneath the central tower and I did a dramatic expansion. I, don't know, I never know what to call those. Basically, I read the Bible passage, but I adapted it and changed it and added bits to it to kind of give it a bit more kind of story and narrative to it because it was a John passage. It was a bit complicated, so I kind of added a little bit more um, sort of preached through the Bible passage. So I told a story and brought in theological ideas. Um, and it was the passage of Nicodemus and Jesus. Um, and then after that, um, there was uh, the, the choir, the four-piece quartet, sang uh, a particular song and people were then invited to go back to prayer stations and wander the space and engage um, or just pray. 
and then another bell was rung near the end and we all went into the chapter house where we had communion really actually quite basic communion just really stripped back nothing too fancy um and uh and then after that we processed from the communion table to um to the exit and then we did a sending out and we had another reading from Isaiah where he was sent out to proclaim stuff so there was a big sending out um so that was it yeah was there a theme that held those different prayer stations together or yeah. was it more loose and baggy it was well it was difficult really because it was the first one um we sort of had the theme of thresholds and coming through the threshold but that's the kind of general sense of what we want the whole thing to be and we're hoping to repeat it so um so there was sort of that, and it was Trinity Sunday, so um, there was a Trinitarian theme going on as well. Um, and, I mean, that was one of the problems with designing it, was that we didn't know who was going to come. Um, we didn't really... We had the Isaiah reading and the Nicodemus was the Gospel reading, and it was Trinity Sunday, so it was a little bit too much message going into mm. it. And because it's a pilot, you always have that thing of a one-off event of filling it far too much mm. with stuff, um, which is kind of the feedback we got. It was just too busy, too much to fit in, um, which is good. It's a good thing to do, really, um, but it's really hard to strip back <laughs> after that. Yeah. So I think uh, I think we'll for the next one we might strip back a bit more. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So how were people engaging with the space, or what did it? What what made it particular about that space rather than it just being prayer station, kind of wandering around some prayer stations, visiting some different stuff, which you could do anywhere in theory. What, how did you try and use the Minster space as part of that? Yeah, I, to be honest, I don't think we did, um, which was one of my pieces of feedback, really. Prayer stations are really good. You know, people engage with them. The difficulty is that they're high maintenance. You know, you it takes a lot of time um, to design them, to bring the materials together, to set them up, um, to write instructions which are give people freedom to find mm. God in them without being too prescriptive, but also giving them some sort of indication as to this is what we were thinking. But you, we don't have to do that, but you could if you wanted to, sort of thing. Um, so they're really good, but they are very high maintenance. Um, and and I think they're just slightly distracting, if I'm perfectly honest. You have to be really good at them to, to make them work. Mm. And I don't think I've quite got that skill. I know other people who do much better than I do. Um, when I did an event in Durham, which is very similar, which is called Free to Be, which is still being run. It was set up uh, well now about six years ago uh, when I first started at Cranmer Hall. Um, and... We wanted it to be this kind of building a community. So we had a meal at the start uh, in the chapter house in Durham Cathedral. Then we moved through and we had loads of prayer stations and we would do it around a theme and those sorts of things. And we'd have communion in it. And we did that. I think we did it twice. And actually the, f the meal didn't really work because the people were coming and already had communities. So... It wasn't like we were getting people who were not in a community. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really about building community. It was about creating a space for anyone, a transient space, uh, which was really interesting. 
Um, so we cut the meal. Then we had these prayer stations, and so it was just basically turn up and do prayer stations in Durham Cathedral, and the exact same question came up yeah. about, you know, you could do that anywhere. Um, and we found the most frustrating thing is, is that we were spending hours setting up these prayer stations and, you know, designing them, making sure they all fitted together and all those sorts of things. And at the end, loads of people came up to us and said, thank you so much. I spent the whole evening staring at how the light shone through a stained glass window onto the floor. And you're like, well, we didn't design that. That was just, that just happens naturally. And they went, yeah, it was great. I spent hours <laughs> praying. I really encountered God in that. You know, what about the prayer stations we spent ages on? Oh, yeah, they were all right. You know. So we, we cut the prayer stations and we, um, the way we, I left it, I'm not sure if it's changed now, but um, we spent the, the hour set up, which we were given in Durham Cathedral, to go through and just light tea lights in place. We were given basically 50 tea lights each um, and we would go round and place them in interesting places and as we walked around, we would pray. We would deliberately pray about the space and pray what God wanted to do and to put tea lights places and lit them. Um, so the whole place was this... I mean, Durham Cathedral is quite a dark cathedral anyway because of the stone. Um, but people would come into essentially a candlelit cathedral um, and would stumble upon tea lights and that would light certain bits. And depending on what time of year it was... The lights did wonderful things in windows and and actually people just wanted the quiet and wanted mm. the space. We, we the Minster is a very different space mm. than Durham Cathedral. It's much brighter, much bigger, therefore people can get lost quite a, a lot. And it's much harder to, as what we did, was we tried to take away, as part of the setup, take away a lot of the history mm. tourism stuff about, you know, this was built in such and such a year. Because um, the whole thing in Durham was about changing people from heritage tourists to spiritual tourists to kind of get them into the praying aspect and the encountering God in the space. Um, with the Minster, it's much harder to do that. I mean, they're doing a really great job in the Minster to try and take away signs and stuff and do it all electronically, which I think is great. Um, but it's still massive. It's still... Um, it's still just a, a big empowering space which takes a lot of energy to try and bring it down the lighting sort of helped um, but the the lighting's not as flexible so you kind of come in and you're just awed with the space which is amazing and if that was all it was i would be interested to see how people might work on it and just it being quiet and being there quiet you know in the big space and just be like let this the building speak um but yeah i don't think i don't think we we use the space as much as we should have done yeah well it sounds like there's two things that you kind of seem to really have learned from the durham approach to doing it and when you were working on that one was that by placing the tea lights around just drawing people's attention and fo giving them focus but not letting the thing that draws their attention be where your focus stops it points them beyond to god to space to pray or to contemplate um i wonder if that's a big issue with prayer stations actually is that you can be so concerned with the nuts and bolts of your prayer station of what you're doing and how you're going to link it all together thematically how it's all going to work how that best represents the bible passage or the the thing you want people to pray about 
that actually you forget it's a, a signpost onto something mm. else. And all you do is you people come, they read the prayer station, they do the prayer station, they feel like they've completed the activity, but it's not pointed them on. Yeah, I think, yeah, it it's a, it's a real skill. And I know of some, some prayer stations that I've engaged with which have been really helpful, you know, spiritually, and have done that sort of interesting threshold bit of kind of actually this is not the destination, this is just a passage through into something mm. bigger. Um, but, but I've also had prayer stations which are, because I'm a very task-orientated person, of okay, going, oh, I've completed that now, and great, done that one, right, what's next, you know, and moved on. And it, it's really difficult to judge that um, and to do it, and I think it takes great skill to do prayer stations, something that maybe I'm not good at. Um, but that's why I, I kind of prefer something like I did in Durham, because it kind of works my strengths a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think that's interesting about prayer stations not being the destination, because they can quite... You know, I know from, from experience some prayer stations where they have just been a destination where you've yeah. stopped and then you kind of back away from it and go to another place. Yeah. Um, rather than, yeah, as you say, signposting to something bigger yeah. and I, beyond. Yeah, I think the, the prayer station, which I suspect most people will have done at some point in their kind of church-going prayer life, is that here's a world map, here's some post-its, write a prayer for these different places mm. in the world. And again, I think that's one where actually keeping it quite simple can be really useful because then people bring stuff that they've brought from outside. So whether it's a news article they've mm. seen, whether it's a, um, a, a situation they know about, maybe it's a person, an individual that they know in another country who needs prayer and they can come and interact with that way. But I think, Whereas, yeah, I think that world map one is, is a... I always, you know, I've done it loads of times. And for me, it's a great help to do in session. Mm. But that's it. But yeah, yeah. it's not reflective yeah. for you. It's... Yeah, it's not opening up anything. It's a kind of like, yeah, I'm bringing my, my petition, which is great and really useful. Um, and I'll pin it down and I'll do something physical. Um, but actually, nothing to stretch on to. Um, yeah, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't add any information. You've got to bring all of that yeah, with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, that's the tricky one then, is it? Because equally, you add too much information and that's when the concern becomes yeah, about the, that's right. the nuts and bolts That's right. rather than praying. Yeah. Um, it's a tricky balance. Yeah, I know. I think in terms of... I mean, it's the same balance with, with any uh, art. You know, you don't want to be too prescriptive. You don't want to... You know, this, this song is about X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. Um you want it to be open interpretively uh, so that people can read and, and bring stuff and share in that experience and bring their own stuff and change it um, as an audience. Um, whilst at the same time maintaining a sort of integrity to the to the, the piece, whatever it is, a song, a, a play or whatever. Um, because, you know, particularly in postmodern art, I think there's too much of it doesn't matter what I, me, the artist, intended it to be. It's all about the audience. And, and therefore you get the old jokes of, I stood, stood staring at a fire extinguisher in the Tate Modern, thinking it was a piece and actually it was just a fire extinguisher. Mm. But, you know, oh, I found so much. And, oh, it's a piece of art. If whatever, art's whatever you make of it and sort of stuff. And I kind of think there is a little bit more integrity of a piece that's needed 
um, holding to it loosely, but you know there was an original interpretation that can change, but there is there needs to maintain an integrity within the piece, mm-hmm. and I think this is probably the same with the prayer station of there needs to be some sort of integrity to it, some sort of raison d'etre for it, yeah. but at the same time trying to strike that balance of being open and allowing people to bring their own stuff to it and in sort of inviting them to participate and share in it. Um, but uh, it's really difficult when you're selecting prayer stations. This is what we found, uh, a lady called Diane and I, who who kind of built them and chose them. I found it really difficult to to choose which prayer stations were correct. Mm. You know, what ones were what ones were going to be helpful? And for me, usually the judgment is how how tenuous is the link with the gospel reading or theme or whatever. Well, our theme was a bit fluid, so we didn't have that. And we came up with loads of ideas for prayer stations. And it's so many that actually they're going, well, you know, so what? <laughs> you know, you know what what is the right one to bring? You know, when... When do we bank some? When, you know, what's right and what's not? Um, and all the time we have that sort of, that that desire to be open to, we don't know what people bring, so this could be really helpful. Yeah, it could be, or it could not be. Yeah. We can't make a decision. So actually we're going to need to make a, de- we're going to have to make a decision, and that decision needs to be based on something, um, some sort of guidelines. Um, and if you don't have those, it can quite easily just be, really general and far too wide and busy that people are jumping from one thing to another they sort of need some sort of framework yeah, I whilst think, giving them some freedom it's yeah. really difficult i think you you definitely need to help people construct a narrative somewhere or give them the the dots to join to create their own narrative or discover it as they go and actually yeah if you have a strong enough framework they will probably contribute more of the narrative from themselves in terms of what they're bringing to pray or to contemplate about than than they think they have done but because you've given them the kind of four or five points to move between and yeah if you clutter that too much with too many different prayer stations it Partly, I guess people just feel they need to do all of them. There's mm. definitely a certain type of person who wants to experience everything, wants to try everything, and if they've not visited every station, mm. so they almost get nervous about it and don't savour it. I think it, there's maybe. also a strange... With any worship service, obviously, of you know, any worship service has a framework but is inviting people to encounter God in the space. Mm. Um, that, that There's always that temptation to busy it and to make it you know fill it with stuff so that no one's bored and no one loses attention and stuff and i think we need to be a little bit more bolder in allowing people to get bored you know because maybe god meets us in the boredom mm-hmm. you know um certainly i find myself praying when i'm bored and it's only like oh god help me <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah actually people People are so used to being busy and having their attentions grab. Actually, the counter-cultural thing and the really radical thing is to is to just be silent and yeah. force people to to sort of fight through the boredom because that's 
you know, that's where you inv in, encounter contemplation, yeah. and you, you, you're surprised, really. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's where atmosphere really comes in, in that you create a space, whether it's with the music from the choir, whether it's with the candlelight or whatever light you're using so that you view the space in a different way. You create an atmosphere which then says, slow down, take some time, here's a really nice space to be in, mm. that's comfortable, So and then therefore people will listen to their own thoughts or hopefully start listening to God mm. beyond that. Um, it's really interesting. I mean, there's been a huge movement in the past 10 years towards very site-specific art, very particularly in theatre. Mm. I mean, obviously site-specific stuff is, is much older than 10 years, but it's had a real resurgence. Yeah. Um, and I think some of that is because where if you stick something on a stage or at the end of a one end of a space and say, look this way, look at it. We're so used to being told to look at this screen or look at mm. this billboard or, or just have the, the performance framed in a, a very contained kind of way, actually bleeding out into the whole site, into the atmosphere, into something which means as soon as you walk into the space, you feel like you're in a different world or a different um, ideological space or a different atmosphere, whatever it is it's trying to achieve. Yeah, I think um, it's also anti-commercialism, you know, we're so yeah. used to just having a franchised performances run out and, you know, that that's, that's Peter Bookman, so deadly, that's just, you know, where you could watch it anywhere, you could do those presentations yeah. anywhere. Actually, where is that sense of being, yeah, but being a bit more local, being a bit more of, I've sat in a space and I've never noticed that yeah. and and having that sort of art right under your nose and that sense of wonder and amazement of you know being surprised by something that you've seen so many times being being seen in a different way is is infinitely more joyful because actually you're 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 discovering something that again and again you're discovering something that you thought you knew yeah. Um, and that's wonderful when you when you do that. Yeah, I guess it also has that wonderful way of blurring some of those boundaries in that you don't know where the performance ends and you start mm. one. And then actually, if you apply that to a service, you would hope that you don't know where the service ends and you yeah. start and that and and you you kind of merge into it and you you get involved in a way that changes you and where your being there actually is part of the contribution to mm. the service. It mm. wouldn't be the same if you weren't there singing, praying, taking part in mm. whatever way. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, that kind of curation of the space can be really important in, in helping people do that when we're so used to kind of commoditizing what we're experiencing. Yeah. Um, Great. Um, just I'm just... Quickly looking, uh, the next one, if you're interested and in, you've been listening and you're near York uh, or will be in York in September, the next threshold is on the 20th of September at 7.30 York Minster. Uh, come and see the second one, see, we're going to strip it back even more and, uh, and we'll see how it goes with that. So um, if you're around, we'd love to, love to see you there and to join us in whatever God Gives. Yeah, and I guess free to be is still going on at Dublin. Yeah, I'm not sure the I'm not sure the pattern of that, but uh, if you go onto the um, Durham Cathedral website, they've probably got advertising for free to be. It's a great.
great thing um, still going on, run by Anglican trainee ordinance ministers. Um, so do go up and and, and experience that. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, well, thanks very much, Ned. I we'll think see you next year. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully we will have something sooner than that or we'll be doing yeah. something interesting um, in the next few months that we can podcast about. Great. Goodbye. You've been listening to Songs in a Strange Land. Please send any comments or questions to songsinastrangeland at gmail.com. So, um, that was uh, that was great. Um, when I asked about we've been for a year you didn't talk about your trip to Cuba and how you brought down a drug cartel did you I mean I thought it was really humbling I mean I'm hoping by the time this goes out the the rest of the operatives out there will be out of the country safe so you're protecting we just yeah I just have to be a little bit careful about letting um, Louis and Fernandez's names out into the public at this point that's right because I would hate they're such great guys I would hate yeah. them to get into trouble yeah. Uh, yeah make sure that they get back into Brent Cross you know Green, yeah. Green Lane Brent Cross definitely yeah safe. yeah. and I think I mean they they were taking a lot of electronics out there they were having to take things like kind of chemically similar but substitute drugs as part of some of the switches that revolve so they've got a rough ride through customs mm. I mean this is all off board completely of course so, Louis and Fernandez I mean we're, we're, we're glad that they're going to be safe because they won't be known as Louis and Fernandez out there they'll be no, oh, Carlos and, and Juan out there won't they yeah so, so yeah it's interchangeable yeah, it yeah. depends which agencies they're working Work with yeah. I mean I guess what I can say is if you see a couple of guys with beards and bad suntans wandering around Heathrow Airport looking a bit lost, a bit dazed. I mean, they, they underwent some pretty serious mm. kind of brainwashing techniques while they were out there. It was, it was, it was tough. So if they're, if they're looking a bit lost, just go up, say hello, offer them a cup of tea. They'd really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was fantastic work that you did and it was just a shame that we couldn't do a podcast out there. But yeah. Uh, Apparently you weren't allowed to take a tape recorder, although you, you took lots of uh, surveillance equipment out there, you just weren't able to, to record a podcast. I, I forgot to pack it. You know how when you go, there's always something you forget, yeah. whether it's like a toothbrush or yeah. a raincoat, every time. And it's fine, once you've found that one thing you've forgotten, you can relax, because mm. you know, oh, that's that one thing I've mm. forgotten, and this time it was the tape recorder. Great.